0: Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church, and good morning to those of you joining us online. We're so glad you're with us. Um, I hope wherever you're at, you're having the kind of day we are here. It, it's probably about 70 and uh, absolutely beautiful, so so I hope you enjoy your day as well. And, and, and church, by the way, I... I think it's because the coffee is back, but you sounded good today. I just wanted you to know that. I mean, really. I'm sitting over there listening, and you guys sounded good, so um, we got to keep the coffee going. I, that's all I know, so, so thank you for that. Um, let me share a couple things with you before we get going in the message today. Uh, last Saturday, we held our family dedication in the student center, and, and there were six families there who made commitments to raise their children in a biblical way. To love God first and foremost, and then to teach them to love others as well. Our ask as a church is that you please pray for these families as they go on this journey, this journey of raising the next generation of believers. And the second one is this. Our mission team is back safe and sound from Costa Rica, right? Yeah. They had a great mix this time. There were some father-son situations. There were some old veterans. There were some new rookies. And, and the whole team just came together. And, and And just like everyone else, they came back with this renewed spirit of, of just how great our God is. I want you to check out this video. You still are Guys, if you've never gone, you you need to try to make that happen. It is an amazing, amazing adventure. On the first day of class, a college professor walked up to the board, and he wrote the following statement. He said this. He said, God is good. God has all power. There is evil in the world. Therefore, there is no God and what he was saying is that if God is truly good and he has the power and the ability to stop all evil then why is there still crime and pain and suffering and death in our world and since evil continues to grow and have life God must not exist it's that same age old question that asks how can a good God allow bad things to happen but you see, sometimes it doesn't stop there. This statement now leads to other discussions that now say that the Bible has now become somehow out of date or no longer applies to the world we now live in. In other words, it's become irrelevant. And they, and they say this based on the fact that in our culture today, evil seems to be thriving. Those who are stealing, cheating, and breaking the law appear to be the ones to achieving success And getting away with it. It's as though evil seems to be winning. And this has many saying, where is our God? And why is he allowing this to happen? But here's what I hope you see this morning. I hope you see, first of all, is that this question or this way of thinking is not something new to our culture. Because in the book of Habakkuk that we're looking at today, whose prophecy happened over 2,600 years ago, we see their culture dealing with the exact same issues. Judah, or what was known as the southern kingdom, which is where Habakkuk lived, was falling apart in terms of its moral fabric. From their political leaders to the common people, everyone seemed to be falling into this moral madness. People were striving for personal pleasure or self-promotion, and it seemed that at every level that sin was rampant. And then just like we spoke about earlier in our society, in Judah, it felt like the wicked had overtaken the righteous and made justice crooked in their society. They had both twisted the law and the word of God for their own advantage. And it led to a culture of immorality, of greed, hatred, and injustice. Sound familiar? And because he was a righteous man who loved God, seeing and living in this, Seeing it and living in it was breaking Habakkuk's heart. So what does he do? He goes straight to God. You see, he doesn't doesn't want advice or answers from other people, but he laments to God in the form of a prayer. And and this word lament is defined as a passionate expression of grief, sorrow, or disappointment. It's a, a complaint. But see, sin was all around him, and he was in no way amused by it. And church, I will tell you this, we have to be the same way. If we as believers, if we're not weeping over the lostness of those around us, who will? Jesus says this, he tells us in the book of Matthew that you and I are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That means we have to love the people enough to beg God to save their souls. And like Habakkuk, we have to want the best for people even when we see them at their worst. All right, so in in verse 2 of chapter 1 of Habakkuk, we we get the start of this, we see the start of this conversation between Habakkuk and God, all right? In verse 2 says this, Habakkuk says, How long, Lord? How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? And here he's saying, God, I know you're there, and I know you see this mess all around me. And he says, I know this is breaking your heart as well. Why won't you answer me? And it's it's just an honest cry for help. And you can hear the desperation in his voice, can't you? And as time continues on with no answer, you can start to sense doubt creeping into his thoughts. I think we can all relate to this one. I think we can all relate in one way or another about how doubt tries to creep into our thoughts as well. Maybe it's a a lost loved one that you you prayed for over and over and over or or, or a marriage that just continues to not get better. Maybe it's a son or a daughter that, that continues to live outside of the boundaries of God's will even though you're praying every day or a couple who continues begging God for a child. Maybe it's a single person who's been praying for a godly spouse for years. And maybe this morning, you too find yourself questioning God and doubt is trying to take over your life. Here's what I want you to hear. Please hear this, church. Like Habakkuk, go straight to God. Go straight to God and be so honest with the way you feel because he already knows anyway. Be honest with him. But here's what we can't do. What we can't do is allow doubt to paralyze us, right? What we can't do is allow this doubt to freeze us. And what we can't do is allow this doubt to cause us to give up on God. You see... There have always been doubters in the Bible. Always. There's always been doubters. And of course, everyone's mind goes straight to Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas, who when the other disciples told him that they had seen the risen Lord, he replied this. He says, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. But I want you to know this. He wasn't the only one, right? He wasn't the only one. I mean, Adam and Eve doubted that God was holding something back from them. Remember, Abraham doubted and Sarah laughed about having a baby at their age. Moses doubted God's ability to make him an eloquent speaker. Elijah doubted that there were any other believers left. Jesus' own siblings thought that he was crazy. And then, And then there were the rest of the disciples. And now this part happens just before Jesus is about to give them their assignment for the rest of their life, known as the Great Commission. And and I want you to remember before I, I, I read this verse to you is that all this is taking place after Christ has been resurrected from the dead, and they are now there seeing him alive. Listen to what this verse says, Matthew 28, 16 through 17. It says this. Then the eleven disciples, because Judas had not yet been replaced, right? So then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but they doubted. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but they doubted. And Jesus being God, he knew that they were still had doubts, right? He knew, he knew. But, but look at what he says to them in the very next verse. This is what was so amazing in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Do you, do you see that? Did you catch what, what's happening there? You see, what Jesus didn't say was, hey, guys, once you figure all this out, once there's no longer any doubts in your mind at all, then you can go. Th- that wasn't the case. One commentary paraphrased Jesus' words this way, and and I do want to share that with you because, because it is a paraphrase. But listen to this. I love this. He said this. He said, Jesus looks at this worshiping but doubting group, and he says, go. He says, go and tell the world this amazing news about who I am, the very same news that some of you are doubting with your own eyes right now. I know that this may seem too good to be true, but you, you need to get up and go. And know that I will go with you. And as you continue to share about me with others, you will find your own doubts being healed. And then new doubts will pop in along the way. But I will be there for those as well. You see, disciples and prophets are not people who never had doubts about Jesus. They're not people who never had doubts about God. But, but the thing that I want you to see is look what they did while they were doubting. Look what they did while they were doubting. They doubted and they worshipped. They doubted and they served. They doubted and they shared the good news. And they doubted and they helped other people with their doubts. You see, like Habakkuk, it's okay to doubt and be honest with God. That's okay. Just don't Stay there. Just don't stay there. Doubt and keep going. Doubt and keep serving. Doubt and keep believing. Doubt and keep telling others the greatest news in the world. Knowing that even with doubts, God can use you and I and grow us through those doubts. And then in in, uh, Habakkuk continues in verse 3 and verse 4. Remember again, he's going straight to God. And he says this, he says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are all before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Again, you hear his desperation. hear from God you hear that that continues but he doesn't stay there and he doesn't give up you see his desire right now is to find some kind of hope for himself so that he can share that hope with others because the climate that he lived in the climate in Judah had now been bad for a very long time and there were no signs of it getting better Judah's last four kings had all been very wicked men who rejected God and oppressed their own people. Again, making it a culture of fear and persecution, lawlessness, and immorality. And it was breaking Habakkuk's heart. Then in verses 5 through 11, God decides to break his silence and speak. The problem is, is that his answer is not anything that Habakkuk was hoping to hear. God uses three distinct words. He says this, look, watch, and be amazed. Verse 5 says it this way. God tells him, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. He says, Habakkuk, you wanted me to answer you. Here I am. I'm going to do something that's going to absolutely blow your mind, something so unthinkable that you're not going to hardly be able to understand it. And, and, And for us, I hope that that's a great reminder. I hope it's a great reminder of you and I and the impossibility of understanding what God's going to do. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, God says it this way. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have to understand this this morning. Our finite brains are not capable of fully understanding the infinite mind of God. So there's going to be doubt. Just don't quit. All right, so in verses 6 through 11, God starts a little different trail now. He he starts giving Habakkuk specific details about the Babylonian army that he's going to use to bring judgment on the nation of Judah. And then God starts describing this army. He says this, he says, they are ruthless and impetuous people meaning that they will do what they will do without any thought, care, or pity for those they are destroying. He calls them fearful and dreaded and those who will promote their own honor, meaning they will spread terror while giving credit to no one but themselves. God says that their horses will be swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. And this means that they will invade Judah at such a tremendous speed and a horror that they will not be able to escape. God says they will fly like an eagle swooping to devour. If you've ever been fortunate enough to see an eagle do that, it is an amazing thing. An eagle has a a wingspread of seven and a half feet. And, And when he swoops in on his prey, it's going at such speed and accuracy that he rarely misses his target. God says they will gather prisoners like the sand. He said they mock kings and laugh at fortified cities. And and what he's saying there is they're not going to show any respect to anyone. And, And what would have happened is they had created something called earth ramps or earth mounds. And they would pile up loads of dirt and they would knock down any fortified walls that were causing them to not be able to get in. He said they will come and they will completely destroy what they are attacking. They'll take what they want and leave all else in total ruin. And that's what Habakkuk waited and waited to hear. That's tough news. But look what Habakkuk does. When he realizes, guys, he realizes that there is no escaping what God has planned. And how he's going to judge Judah. But look what he does. Look what we have to do. He says this. He begins reflecting and reminding himself of the unchanging character of God. In verse 12, he says this. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Habakkuk's like this. He's like, okay, God, I now understand, and I know this is going to happen. And I know that no one is capable of stopping it. And even though I don't fully understand, I'm going to trust in your perfect will. Church, sometimes... Sometimes when things just don't make sense and at the time we just can't understand why God's doing what he's doing, we have to stop. We have to stop and remind ourselves of who our God is. You see, this is when our perception, this is when our definition of who our God is becomes so important. Because this is what will allow us to keep going and keep believing, even though we don't understand or feel like God has gone silent. And I know this. I know that in my own life, my definition of who God is continues to expand as I continue to grow. Day by day, day by day, as we read, as we study, and as we pray, We are reminded not only of who he is, but all that he's done both in this world and in our own lives. And guys, listen, when you and I, when we can truly believe that God Almighty ordains or allows all that takes place throughout history, it comforts and reminds us that even when things look rough, even when things look bleak, God is in control. God is in control, and nothing surprises him or catches him off guard because he already knows the future. You see, that's our God. That's our God. And there has never been and never will be anyone like him. No one faster, no one stronger, no one smarter, no one more loving, caring, or forgiving. And as my belief and your belief continues to grow, you see, so does our ability to have hope in any situation. Because what we realize is that God can do anything at any time. I do understand this. I understand that we are living in a very interesting and complicated time. We are. I mean, we are. It can sometimes feel overwhelming. But if nothing else, please hear this. Our definition, our perception of who God is, is what will determine how you and I react. You see, our definition of who God is will determine how you and I react to whatever comes in this world. And I want you to know this. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay. Just keep growing. Just keep going. Keep sharing and keep believing. There have been so many times in my life where doubts tried to creep in. And, and I will tell you this. Um, I, I had never experienced it like I have in the last few years. But on the weeks when I'm going to share the message, it, it, it can get a little crazy. There are dreams. There are thoughts. There are things that, 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 that come. And, and, and I know it's the same in your life. And as I was putting this message together, the, the lyrics to a song kept coming in my mind. The lyrics to this song remind me, and I hope you, but it reminds me of who my God is, of how great my God is. I I, I got to hear this young lady one time, Mary Beth and I went to an FCA conference, and she sang this song right in front of us live. And and, and it's just, I never forget that, that feeling of going, that's my God. Listen to these lyrics. It's an old song. Those of you who know it will be telling on yourself, but that's okay. We're just getting wiser. Nicole C. Mullins, My Redeemer. It says this, and I will not sing it to you. It says, who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who told the ocean you can only come this far? And who showed the moon where to hide till evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? The very same God that spins things into orbit, runs to the weary, the worn, and the weak. And the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken, they conquer death to bring me victory. He lives to take away my shame, He lives forever, I'll proclaim that the payment for my sin was the precious life he gave, but now he's alive and there's an empty grave. I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Let all creation testify. Let this life within me cry. I know my Redeemer lives. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that your Redeemer lives? Do you know that the God of all creation loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you so that you would be forever saved, so that you would be changed? Do you know that this morning? Is your definition of God that good? Does your God have limitations? Pray, study, read, Look at what God has done over history. Look what he continues to do today. And take your doubts to him. He is an amazing God. And there's no one like him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you Thank you, Lord God, for this day. God, thank you that, that you, Lord God, have no equal. That you, Lord God, have never been surprised that nothing's ever caught you off guard because you are God Almighty. Because you are the one that ordains and allows all that happens. God, will you fill our souls today with that? Will you fill us with that when doubt comes? May we go straight to you. And may we lament, cry, whatever we've got to do. But then may we trust. Thank you, God. Thank you for for Habakkuk and his example of hanging on and never giving up. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.